Hey, Dame. Yo. Do you happen to have any idea who this episode is brought to you by? Oh, I think I have a clue. I think I do. <laughs> this episode of Ergo is brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. And if you know Ergo, we love independent and we love shit not being locked down. So <laughs> so go ahead and get Overcast for free on the App Store. Hello. Hey. This is Ergo. It is. I am Kiss. I'm Damon. And what we do here is reshape the culture of our city and world for the more liberatory and creative. How you feeling, pal? How you doing? I'm doing okay. It's been nice to have some more music-focused programming on the show and get to like live in some some songs and some thoughts about songs and and have some soundtrack to my life in a way that you know in the last couple of years as our show has shifted there hasn't been as much room for so i've been really enjoying that and we're going to continue doing that today with another listening party episode this time with the one and only the fantastic tasha longtime friend of the show beloved member of our community an amazing singer songwriter producer composer we've been able to like watch her grow and kind of have these routine check-ins with her through the seasons um, and really really excited to to dig in with the new project tell me what you miss the most so as we always do in these listening party episodes we pick like three or four songs from the project Uh, We listen to them with the artists who made them, and then we use them as jumping off points uh, for the conversation. So you hear a bunch of songs from the project in this episode. You can hear the whole album wherever you listen to music. Damon and I are both personally uh, title listeners um, because they get a much higher percentage of the stream. So, you know, this is not sponsored by them, though that would be lovely. But we encourage you, if you're going to listen to people's music, either buy it or, you know, be mindful of where... Where the pennies add up quickest. And and little favor, little exercise. A lot of the apps have like lyric breakdowns with them. And so what I did while we listened, I put myself on mute and I double streamed to be able to read the lyrics alongside. And so while you're listening, feel free to feel free to give Tasha a little extra stream. We we support over here. So like we said, you can listen to Tell Me What You Miss the Most wherever you listen to music. You can find Tasha at Wow Tasha Wow on everything. You can buy the album on vinyl via her Bandcamp. Um, as always, we're at Ergo Radio uh, and ErgoRadio.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show. You can, you know, speaking of pennies on the dollar, you can leave a donation. It can be a recurring donation. That's also a possibility. Go ahead and recur. Who doesn't want to recur, you know? <laughs> and yeah, I think that's uh, that's all we got. We're excited to share this joyful, calming, loving shelter from the storm that we got to experience together so welcome to the listening party with tasha if i could i would stay here in this bed all day Sweet to my soul 
Let's get up and running. Dame, you up and running over there? I, I am here. All right. Um, yeah, and so I didn't ask this, but is there anything in particular you want to talk about? Anything in particular you want to not talk about? Mm, I don't think so. I'm really I'm open to whatever comes. Cool. Kind of a pre-question. Like, what has been fun or felt good about it existing in the world? What's kind of been like... Just some like feel as we get into the flow. What makes that a pre-question? That just sounds like a question. That sounds like a question. <laughs> you can still answer, but it's <laughs> <laughs> it was in the spirit of warm up and like mm. Mm. it would mm-hmm. be the kickoff of the energy of the like yeah. show voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what tends to be the exciting thing is when making something. I'm sure other people feel this way. I have obviously my own ideas of what the songs mean and how they feel to me and. Um, what things are not so interesting and what things I really love. And then as soon as it's in the world, everyone else has all of their own ideas about what something might mean or even just other people's favorite songs. And it's exciting and um, kind of illuminating to to hear that from strangers, especially the folks who don't know anything about me, um, to kind of pull their own little gems out of the songs that I didn't ever think about before. I love that part of it. I love the distinction between like the common use of like audience or fan or listener to strangers. (laughs) 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 Right? Because that's what it is. It's a very vulnerable interaction with a lot of strangers. (laughs) So I love that frame. But all right, I Mm. feel warmed up. (laughs) I I think we're in it now. I think there's no going back. I have a follow-up, which means we can't go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
what what sticks out as a like a moment where someone who heard it brought an interpretation or pulled something that you had never seen coming? Um, well, I there was one. It was it was a review that came out. It was very positive and kind and and full of love. But the review also it like went through the whole album and it told this whole story of what I was going through um, from song to song to song. And he really made it up, you know, (laughs) like he made he he made up these very like elaborate experiences. And of course, they're pulled from the things I'm I'm singing about and writing about. And I do think there's a there's a story through the record. And I and it obviously can like conjure up images of, of kind of specific experiences. But it was funny to read this person right with such confidence saying, and then when Tasha felt like she couldn't uh, hold on to this relationship any longer, that was when she finally understood. Like it was this whole uh, story. Um, and it was like, you know, not, not a lot of it was not true. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I don't think that mattered to the person writing it. And I thought it was, it was endearing to me. I don't know. <laughs> It's almost like um like fan fiction or like um or like ekphrastic ik- writing almost of like writing to back to the song in a way rather than yeah. like under writing what you understood from it. That's kind of that, cool. Yeah, that's a, yeah. hilarious to me and just confirms a long held suspicion I've had. Of, I felt all reviewers have been making things up because <laughs> <laughs> they're always so confident yeah. in Chris. It's like I listened to the same thing that wasn't there or like. This is a jazz album. There's literally no words. Where did you get get that story from? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But to this, you know, interplay your work has with like your personhood and like a very interior personal life, but also being a public facing artist, like there is a deeper intimacy in your work than is, I think, the norm of just, mm-hmm, like, music mm-hmm. that's being released. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that puts you in a in a unique relationship with these strangers. I, I'm, I can't go back to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hear an endearing in this story, but, like, has your comfort, particularly as, like, the world has become more closed off and, like, intimacy just means different things, is there comfort or discomfort or is there a shift in how you feel of, like, giving folks this kind of contorted access to kind of your deepest self, like, you know, literally inviting folks into your bed. Um, yeah. So, so where, so where are you in, in that, in that relationship to these, these intimate strangers? Mm. <laughs> I think it's always felt really important to me, maybe because of the kind of reader I was or the kind of listener I was before I started making music, but I, I feel really attached to art that, that like draws me in and that feels personal and that feels really intimate. And so I think it always was kind of built into how I was going to write songs. And then after releasing one album and learning and understanding what it was like to be a person who made things that other people consumed, there was a little bit of a shift uh, of understanding that boundary of how much I want to share uh, and and the line of like how how honest can I be before feeling like I'm giving too much away? I think that's something I'm always working through. And I think with with this album though, I remember it is an emotional album, and I 
it was an emotional time for me when I was writing it. And it's writing a lot of these songs was, I don't know if I've experienced this very often, but definitely an experience of like feeling a lot of feelings and needing to write a song to understand the feelings or give them a space that was outside of me so I could let them go. Um, And that's new processing? Yeah. I don't think I've really done that before, but it, I think these are the best songs I've ever written. Um, Mm. And so I, I love the way that they feel so attached to like my heart and my intimacies. And it wasn't until like after this initial process of trying to get the songs out that I went through this thinking of, okay, not every line has to be 100% truth, 100%. This is something I experienced and now I have to tell everyone about it. And there's one song in particular on my song, Sorry Is Not Enough, that there were lyrics at the end of the song for this outro part that I initially wrote and then cut and I rewrote that end part and I've never done that before, but that was one moment when, I mean, I just didn't think it was written very well, but I was also like, this feels a little bit too, like, me. I want this to be a little bit more vague. Mm. Can we jump to that that point? I would love to. <laughs> sure. To, to, yeah. Can we, can we go into, can you pull it up, Kiss? Sure. Give me one sec. Yeah, it was essentially that little that little part there. It wasn't until talking to someone else too that they they were talking about how the song kind of ends in this like hopeful way with the I'll try again, I'll be okay. And that's not how it originally was. And I don't know. I think I've learned a lot as I've listened to it because it's it's taken new shape from the time I originally wrote it. And yeah, it feels a lot nicer this way. <laughs> So that's interesting. I think I hear um, like poets talk about that a lot about the, if not external, at least like this internal expectation or pressure to resolve with some sort of like hopeful note. Mm, um, mm. And this doesn't exactly feel the same as that. Like it doesn't feel the way that sometimes feels forced. It feels like someone being determined to try to do that rather than like, it's not, I'm sure it'll be okay. It's I'll try again. Yeah. Um, and that feels really different. Um, but to what you were saying about the, pulling that piece out one of the things that i heard through the whole project is there's a lot more just it feels like room for the instrumentalism to like fill space 
I always think of you like leaving a lot of room in your music, um, but sometimes that's just been filled with space. And this feels like it's you, you had some, uh, whether it's trust or just openness to letting the rest of the musicians and the instruments kind of fill that space. How did that change for you? And does that ring true? Yeah, I think that does ring true. I think there was so much growth that happened from when I first released music to starting to work on this record. And I considered myself such a better musician than I was the first time around, which I just, I was and am. But I I think I felt really determined to make this like musically and arrangement wise, like a really good album and not just because I could sing and like write a pretty song, um, but that it was, yeah, that there was room for, there was room for the arrangements. There were, there was room for the instruments and, and I also was thinking into the future and thinking about playing this record with a band and wanting these songs to be to be songs that would sound really good live with a band. I was also, I think, through the recording process, just allowing myself to to try new things and and trying to learn a lot more about how to produce and arrange. Um, I'm sure in in two years this is going to sound like a little baby album to me, but for now it still feels like I was really kind of stretching myself and like trying to open my world and 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 really just do things that I hadn't I hadn't ever done before. Mm. Maybe even a year from now. All right. Yeah. Was- <laughs> uh, foreshadowing. We need, a, we need a foreshadowing sound effect. We do need a foreshadowing <laughs> sound effect. Just like a little whoosh, yeah. shadow sound. <laughs> um, all right. I wanna I wanna name some of the emergent themes I'm feeling. So First, I'm already hearing, you know, the relationship between like this ultra vulnerable realism and like when can we be poetic or use fiction or Mm -hmm. shift to to make what we want instead of like it doesn't have to be your actual literal diary. Uh, I'm I'm also hearing editing as something I want to talk to. Right. Because I think so often in music making, we just think of it as like this fever pitch and like, this is just what came in my dream and now it's perfect. And like, one take where, does the edit, here. <laughs> where, where does the edit come in? So I like to hear that you like listen and change something. Um, and then the, the growth, right. Just like the skills as a musician, as a producer arrangement, but we came in and flow the warm up became the show. And I feel like I have two left feet. So I just want to ask you a, a two part question that may come with a follow up, depending upon my confidence. Um, but in tradition, in this time and define time, however you will, Tasha, how are you treating the world and how is the world treating you? Mm, I remember this one. <laughs> I think world in a broad sense, maybe I'm treating the world a little bit timidly. I feel like I am, I've been in a little bit of a retreating space. Um, as far as my own little personal world, my like Tasha world, I feel like I'm treating that world really well. Like a lot of comfort and kindness and fun, I would say, in that world. And I am being treated, I would say, fine. <laughs> I feel I feel like I I've not really been in like a receiving frame of mind, which might change. But I think like recently, I think if I'm thinking of like the my my most recent time of the last few weeks and couple of months, I think I've I feel like I haven't been receiving things as much. Okay, well, I feel grounded and I feel confident to go into this listening session specific follow up question. Um, (laughs) 
So in, in our preamble, you made the claim that these are, I think you said these are the best songs I've ever made. Mm. And watching you say that, I just got so much joy and like a literal like chemical endorphin rush went through my body. <laughs> and like, it just made me happy. So in that spirit, how is the music treating you and how are you treating the music? Mm. I'm not someone who writes constantly or like makes things constantly. Like I kind of have moments of intentional like output time and then I I don't really do anything until I feel like it again so I have been trying to give myself the space at least with this album to just enjoy it being done and enjoy it being out in the world and enjoy the songs my older songs I really can't listen to honestly I can't get through them um but these I can listen to these I can if they like come up on my shuffle or something I'm like okay maybe I'll just listen through it see how it sounds they're like artists you might like you're like yeah. I don't know uh, <laughs> we'll see. I'll, try, we'll try, I'll try it yeah I know she's sounding so, a little dated <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying I mean I try to let go of like external pressure but I do feel some like personal pressure to to get back into my practice you know after I've been away from it for a while so I have been like dipping my toes back into music world um, as far as like sitting down with my guitar and trying to write. Um, and it's slow and I try not to force it if it's not there, but I think I work well when I give myself like a a chunk of time that I, I'm, I'm certain I'm going to use just for writing and practicing and playing. And it's hard for me to fit it in when I'm going through a day. Um, so... That's where me and music are at right now. <laughs> I want to uh, I want to just jump back to something you said, which is in Tasha world, <laughs> things are things are fun and wonderful. Wow, the macro retreats, um, because it it actually I think leads so much into how as a listener I experience your music. Is there's this kind of um, welcoming into this like respite or this like shelter from the storm kind of feeling. Um, it's been quite a storm and and I think I'm not alone in feeling like that's, you know, when I turn to your songs, it's when I want that, that breath, right. Mm. And that, like that respite I think is, is the word. Um, so just keep that in mind. I have more questions about the, about the respite building, but I just wanted to say that because I think it leads into, into the first song we wanted to play, which is, um, which is perfect wife. So I'm going to share that now. You, you smiled so big when you said <laughs> it's, it's a fun just, one. <laughs> it is. It is. All right. Here's a here's perfect wife, Tasha. On air. <laughs> Just for you. Let 
So here's my here's my respite addendum. Mm-hmm. So the only concert I've gone to since the pandemic started in person inside, I guess, was one of your shows at Sleeping Village. Wow. And part of it was because uh, there is that kind of like shelter from the storm feeling. And I kind of just like project that onto all the other people there. And I'm like, these are probably good people. <laughs> Coming to see Todd, like, I feel like I'm not going to get into like a maskless bar brawl at a right. show. Um and, and I've seen you perform, you know, many times before. And there's this kind of like suspended in animation. We're all in this together moment that happens. But when this played, I like saw people legitimately dancing kind of in the way you allude to in the song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a way that I had, you know, seemed kind of new and specific to this song. Uh, has that been true? Like as you played this in a bunch of places and how does it feel to look out and see people like like dancing big in the crowd? Yeah, <laughs> um, it feels great. I think one of the songs, I don't remember which one, but one of the songs on this album, I remember playing it for my mom, one of the sad ones right after I wrote it. and. The first thing she said when I was done is, when are you going to write something I can dance to? I was like, okay, fair. Um, (laughs) Maybe maybe could have given some other feedback in the meantime. You know, Um, critics, what can you do? Yeah, right. But then when I wrote this one, I was on this little like self-imposed writing retreat and I had written three or four songs that ended up being on the album. And this was like the day before I left and I just wrote the guitar part and I actually, I don't know if I have any words except for perfect wife. It had like a melody and like perfect wife. And I just knew I wanted to make a fun song. Like I just wanted it to be like shameless and, and cute and fun and not take itself too seriously. Um, Cause I do think I do love, right. Like having a song that is beautifully written and full of, beautiful language and feels really like intentional and pensive but I I think I I wanted space to do something that was not that that is how this song was born was just like I knew going in I just wanted it to be fun and and nothing else really um and so then once I decided that it felt easy to to fill in all the other parts it's like yeah I'm gonna write a guitar solo yeah I'm gonna have flutes yeah we're gonna have a shaker yeah we're you know like I just was like yes 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 let's just make it as fun as possible and so then to see other people enjoy it in person at one of the shows there were a group of friends that learned the choreography from my music video (laughs) and we're standing in the front row doing doing the dance moves so it was I I love that (laughs) the hashtag perfect wife challenge yeah (laughs) Yeah, something like that. No, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love that kind of like surrender to like let's just have some fun type of mm-hmm. feeling. Um, the other thing it just makes me think of, and this is a complete unnecessary side note. I don't know, Tasha, if you're an office watcher, but I know this is more for Damon, but maybe you can hop on board. There's one very small part where Andy is trying to remember 
uh, the end of Give Me a Break. Give me a piece of that. Of that. The perfect line. It's like every time they chant that. Wait, that's great. I, I saw that episode that. last night. <laughs> <laughs> that's really great <laughs> oh, I'm glad that it was received well <laughs> so yeah I mean the song f- feels different in, in, in so many ways I think you know that relationship talking about like your traditional stillness into this mobility um, and so I'm going to give you a little bit of a dealer's choice here what excites you more, talking about the production process and like the musical arrangement or the content of the narrative and playing with this fraught notion of perfection? What dealer's choice? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, I could talk about, I could talk about both. Okay. I'm not sure. All right. Yeah. Let's start with the music then, since that's kind of where we laid off and it feels like that's where it, it, it was built from. And maybe we can like use this piece to talk about like, the macro claim of you are just in a different place with your musicality and as a producer and arranger. Um, Because in one of our first conversations, which we've had so many now, we talk at length of like the guitar being something that you're like experimenting with and like coming to and like bringing it to stage was like a step for you in many ways. And now there, there feels to be such a intimate relationship and close comfort that you have with it um, that I also hear you like talking about more instruments that that and so tell me more about how you've grown as a producer basically is the simple question with mm-hmm. this this smash pop lovey yeah <laughs> joint <laughs> well I think a couple of like distinct things about this album and this song is number one working on it um, with my friend Eric who passed away last year a few months after we finished the album yeah and it's after it happened I was the first feeling was oh gosh now I'm gonna have to talk about Eric all the time because of the album cycle and so like as much grief as there is around it it feels really good to listen to the songs and think back to when we were making them and how important that time was and to like have this this work forever now um, of something that we made together. Um, but Eric was, he's an, he was an incredible producer and we had a lot of mutual friends and, um, and just were in touch with each other for a while. And then I approached him at the beginning of 2020 about um, working on this album together. And he immediately said yes. Um, and I think something that, was great about working with him as he he was like a musical genius but he left so much room for me to learn and try things and I think at other times when working with people I've stepped into rooms feeling like I just have to give them the reins you know and like let go of control because I'm not a producer I don't know how to do this or like play these synths or run this program um and so while he you know was kind of in the driver's seat he also you know he before he did anything, he would tell me what he was going to try to do and then ask me if I thought that sounded nice. And then he would try and then he would ask me if I liked it. And then he'd be like, oh, I could play the synth part, but why don't you play it? And why don't you move these knobs around and see what you come up with? And he had so much like trust and faith in me um, that I didn't have in myself. It allowed me to feel like I had more control over the songs in a way I hadn't before, even if I didn't have the expertise or um, on like certain instruments or something like that. So that was like a really special part of recording 
I mean, so we were recording all of it in Eric's apartment. We The whole record was recorded there except for the drums and then the flutes and then a couple guitar parts that my friend made and the violins. But I have like I have all these friends who play all these instruments. And so like what I, I really wanted to just bring other people in, which I ha- also hadn't done before. So I like wanted to ask my friend Vivian to write some flute parts. And she was like, yeah, sure. And she recorded them at home and sent them to us. And that felt also really special to like bring people in in a way and like be able to like have my friends be a part of this, even though we weren't recording it in person. And it was like completely like piecemeal, like fitting things in together as we went. Some of that is just how things end up getting made. But some of that I'd imagine is like pandemic determined who can, how much you can be together. How different was that from how you'd made music, you know, on the previous project? I think previously I, everything happened really fast. Like I kind of sat down over like a three month period maybe and finished everything. Um, Whereas this was, I mean, Eric and I, we started recording in like February or January of 2020. And then there was a big pause um, because nobody was seeing anyone. And then I like saw him a few times over the summer and then started to see him more in the fall. And then it was the beginning of 2021 when we like really like finished everything and we're seeing each other regularly. Um, So it just took a long time, but I was okay with that, I think, because it felt very important to me to make the songs exact sound exactly how I wanted them to sound. Something about listening to older songs is I think like I really could have just spent a few more months with this. And so I like let us take as long as we needed to because I just knew that if it didn't feel quite right, but I decided we were done, then I wouldn't, I would like feel bad about it for the rest of my life probably. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you wouldn't want to like sit here and listen to it with us. Yeah. (laughs) And now I honestly like I listen to the songs and I think this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Can't rush the flute in the inbox. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to return. I'm, I'm, you know, on a human level, like just feeling with you. So, you know, again, just sorry for the loss. And I, I really honor and respect through the work, the way you are continuing and carrying on the memory and legacy of your, your friend and collaborator and artistic partner. Um, because, you know, not only... Was it in it? But he's credited as the en- engineer and the mixer on the entire project, which is such then it's like co-parenting in, yeah. in a way. And so, <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. yeah, just just I'm feeling the music in a different way and knowing, you know, what what hu- what's happening on a human level connected to the work. So again, just like love to you and to all of his family and anybody who knew or cared about him that, that may be hearing this. Um and I'm glad that, you know, y'all have these songs as a as a proxy to, like, continue to commune with this spirit. So I'm very sorry and thank you for for sharing and, and you know, being vulnerable in that way and talking to us with it. Um, and I was going to ask also on the song, just in terms of your, like, group of collaborators, I also see, was that Macy Stewart with the with the violin? Mm-hmm. Which is, mm-hmm. that's a, a, a Chicago classic yeah. kids these days yeah. return. That's, that's beautiful <laughs> to, to hear and see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think as we start to like continue to go through the music, I would love to hear about the corralling of collaboration and how you bring in, particularly, you know, musicians and instrumentalists um, yeah. in, into making your vision or bringing their vision to, to what you got going on. So yeah, I think we can, we can hop into the next track, which is going to be Burton Island. Mm-hmm. 
beautiful, beautiful. So that's Burden Island. Um, and I think I have a, a, a continuum I want to jump off from because what stuck out to me, maybe it's because of our conversation, is the refrain of dance for a while. And I don't think that that was intentional. And so coming off of Perfect Wife and the story with your mom and then Kiss's story about being at the show and you seeing people do the choreography and just like, I, I want to stay in the body a little bit. Um, so obviously, whether it's mama or or these strangers, <laughs> you've created a little bit more space or at least are in conversation with dance and body motion. And so I'm curious for you, before we get into any of the other content of the song, where is dance showing up for, for Tasha's body relative to this music? Because it was a big part of your life in past moments, right? Yeah, it was. Um, and you know, I wasn't thinking about those connections when I was writing these songs and it wasn't there go someone... magic baby <laughs> <laughs> um, and it I did an interview a few months ago where someone else asked asked me something similar oh, um, damn it. sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Devastating it wasn't truth. exactly it wasn't exactly what you, what you we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> but who are they how did they get it <laughs> <laughs> it's great because it, it does make me think like oh what was I thinking about that I didn't know about it comes out after it's all done. And there are a few things I think from the album that have that I have learned that I didn't know I was talking about when I was talking about it. But I I think that maybe not like a literal moving my body dance kind of movement. Um, maybe wasn't like present in my mind, but maybe just like a freedom more. Um, so like with this song, having like an acoustic guitar song that I've never tried before. Um and like I felt so much freedom and like movement and being able to like write this song. And it wasn't even gonna be on the album. And someone else um was like, no, put it on. Like it should be there. I was like, no, it doesn't fit. And they were like, no, it does. Like in the writing and in the like conceptualizing of the songs, there was maybe like freedom of movement in that way of letting them take shape that I wasn't familiar with or didn't um or maybe didn't feel as comfortable with at first. Um, but like allowing allowing it to happen anyway. Yeah, the presence of the acoustic guitar with your voice, one is gorgeous, and two, like to this like intimacy. Yeah, it's just it's a beautiful feeling that it makes. Um I have a technical question, which is it sounds to me like the vocals are like double tracked. Mm -hmm. Um what was the decision making behind that? Because I don't hear it in the same way on any of the other songs. Yeah, that's the only one we did that on and it I remember bringing this song to Eric and I played it for him and we were talking a little bit about what, how it should sound. And we recorded one take of guitar and vocal, not to toot my own horn, but we did do the sweated about like three takes. Um, hey, <laughs> retake Tasha. That's what they say. Bruh, bruh, you know? bruh. Because it, and then we, and then we, Eric was like, let's do one more vocal. And then we did a second one. And then he was like, that's it just leave it like that. And I was like, really? Just that? He was like, yeah, just that. This was the only one I think where he, he like really trusted. He was like, we need this, just like, just the guitar and just your vocal. And then after hearing it, I was like, oh yeah, this feels, it feels like such a breath of fresh air. Um, I think in the, in the sequence and also just, um, I think it's what the song, what the song needed. There's this, you know, kind of, imagined physical landscape that I feel with a lot of the album, but especially these two songs back to back. And you you mentioned this kind of self-imposed retreat. 
Um, but I'm wondering for you, like, what is the what does the natural landscape sound and look like to you for this song? Well, this one, my family went on a camping trip and we went, we met up with some other family friends in Vermont. And there's this island in Lake Champlain called Burton Island. To get to this island, you have to row yourself over. There's a ferry, but if you don't go at the ferry times, you put all of our stuff in a boat, in a rowboat and a canoe. And we, and we rowed over to the island. That'll encourage you to pack light. Yeah, it happened really quickly, and we ended up forgetting a lot of stuff in our van on the mainland. But we, we, my brother and and my godfather, who we were with, went back for one more trip, and I was like, "Please remember my guitar," um, and he remembered it. And so I wrote this, and my guitar was because we were camping. It was in this like, this is a long story to answer your question, but it's what we're here for. It was in this really. Um, cause it was outside and the temperature changes. It was in this like really fucked up tuning, but I took it out and I went and sat on the shore. I like was sitting on some rocks one afternoon and I was like, I'm on this beautiful Island. I have to write a song while I'm here. It's, I absolutely have to. And I just kind of kept the guitar in the weird tuning that it was and wrote this just cause I really felt like I wanted to write a song and I wasn't really thinking about it too hard, but it that is exactly what I conjure when I hear the song now is, is like sitting on a rock looking at the lake and the sunset. And it was September. I think the song, I think, sounds exactly like where it was and where I was. And the little, the little nature sounds at the end are from a recording I took while I was walking around um, the island one day. That was intentional, I think, to create a little world um, just inside the short song. Yeah, it works. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. <laughs> it makes me like, um, that's part of that shelter from the storm thing, I think, is to have the like vicarious sitting on the shore with you. Yeah. No, it's, it works. It's I'm, I'm, I'm really interested or was surprised, maybe is the right word, to hear that this is just an acoustic and a vocal was new for you because it feels I would have imagined if someone would ask me that and like I had to bet a thousand dollars of like over and under how many yeah <laughs> I, would, I would say at least over five right <laughs> um and so one I'm just trying to wrestle with myself of like why did I think that already or why does it already feel or sound like that um but now like kind of does this unlock something for you or or, or just you named it as like space in the recording of it but like for your you know future composition just knowing that you have this approach available to you it feels exciting and very aligned does that does that mm -hmm. resonate also damon just bets money on all of our interviews there's always a line <laughs> <laughs> there's a conflict of interest we haven't talked about it and i'm losing every time <laughs> that's why i stay, <laughs> stay here i'm doing it for the money <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't think you're too far off in that, okay. <laughs> that or that assumption. I do. I think I. Well, I never owned a, an acoustic guitar of my own. I like had my mom's that I borrowed every now and then, and but I before I wrote this batch of songs, I bought a guitar, an acoustic guitar that did feel the same way that when I bought my first electric guitar, it, it like opened a world for me. This I feel like this was kind of world opening. And I do feel more confidence um, in that zone than I used to, for sure. So I go through phases of thinking, like, 
my next album is just going to be like an acoustic folk album and that's it. I'm just going to do it. And then sometimes I'm like, I only want dance songs. I only want pop. I only want fun, electric. Like that's like I go through, I go through these zones of what feels right for me. And I try not to determine it too much going in and just let it come as it, as it wants to come. But I do, I think just even like having my guitar next to me and being able to pick it up and, and noodle around, um, that does feel expansive, I guess, in a way it didn't before. Yeah. I mean, this definitely feels most like something that I could like hear on an old like folk record that I got at my parents' house, you know, in that, in that great way. Yeah. I just love that, um, what you're wrestling with of like, are we bar hopping or are we sitting around a campfire? (laughs) (laughs) Because you can do both, you know. I, yeah. I, I I see you in both of those modes, but yeah, definitely, definitely the campfire songs. I feel like. <laughs> All right, here's a uh, Lake Superior.
Beautiful. So first of all, there's something about the momentum of it, and maybe it's because it's in three, right? Like the first two thirds, which feels like this break, and there's just yeah, this like uh, it almost feels yeah, like you're like rolling down the road, kind of in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, there's this. It doesn't even feel like a fracture. It kind of feels like this, like coming to a stop. How did the structure of this song come? Did the two parts come out at the same time? Did the did one come after the other? How did it come together? Mm. This was one of the first ones I, I, maybe the first song that I wrote of all of the songs in the album. Like it was, I kind of just wrote it as a one-off thing and um, the other ones came later. I remember it coming kind of easily. I think I it's in a an open D tuning, which is just a really attractive tuning for guitar playing it's beautiful without doing anything to it and so it just there's so much room for just I think coming up with really beautiful parts and and beautiful melodies and the strumming I just I think it was one of those things where I just wanted something I hadn't done before and I wanted I wanted to strum fast um so I leaned into that and the song is about my mom and about my grandma and where my mom grew up in Wisconsin and that was again just like a moment of like kind of sitting in these feelings I was having and just wanting to wanting to make something about them. And of of all the songs, maybe this is this one is the most kind of like on the nose of um here's a story that I want to tell and here's exactly how I'm feeling about it. But it feels right. It doesn't feel like too much for me. And the end, I don't know, I see it as like kind of like a lullaby for whoever, but when I was writing it, I was imagining it like from from my mom and this like this gentle part at the end, making space for for care in that moment and letting it be as as like sweet and slow and like shh, it's okay. Um, as I wanted as I wanted it to be, and so I really I love that part of of the song, that ending part to like carry on the feeling I was having after I wrote it when we were starting to arrange it and produce it. It was the same way with Perfect Wife, how I, you know, brought in the flutes and all of those things to make it as kind of like dreamy and fun as possible. I think with this song, with the string arrangements in particular and some of the little piano parts, like I wanted it to be like lush and big and feel like you were saying, like this kind of momentous ride. Um and it was fun to listen to it um, just now and and sit in those those feelings of it and kind of feel it feel it with you guys. Yeah, it has the like you know for a story about going somewhere and going through a journey. It really you kind of feel that in the momentum of it. But but one of the things that jumped out to me in listening to it this time is the I can't remember the exact line, but there's a a kind of like if not remorseful like wishful like I we should have or I, I wish I had. Wish I told you you were the bravest of us all. Yeah, and and so mm-hmm. thinking about that mm-hmm. and thinking about the title of the project, 
you know, it's not nostalgia exactly. You know, I'm not going to pretend to personally know what the narrative is. Um, but there is kind of this like wistfulness of not something's been lost, but I've missed an, a chance or, or there's something gone. And I'm wondering, yeah, mostly does that ring true as as kind of a central theme to the project? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big part of what that the album means, I think, to me. I didn't know it until all of the songs were recorded and I was listening to them over and over again and coming up with a title. And um, that was what started to pop out for me is, is, yeah, it's not quite a nostalgia. It's not necessarily like a missing for something that maybe was better than what you have now. But I do, I think there is this feeling of like constant imagining and kind of like moving through memory. Sometimes it's past memories and sometimes it's something you miss. Sometimes it's something you want to hold on to again, but sometimes it's something that maybe hasn't happened. And it's the like the longing for or the yearning for like in Perfect Wife, for example, maybe it's not something that I have, but it's something I'm like wishing for and I can see exactly what it might look like. But yeah, I think there there are these movements through through like memory and imagining and and longing and it's it's not always with the wish of holding on to something like sometimes I think there's feelings there too of being okay with the letting go but but yeah that's that's in there for sure how do you do with wistfulness or that type of wanting in the rest of your life like is that a mm. feeling you feel a lot yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I honestly think my modes are thinking about things that have passed in like a very wistful way and then dreaming up things that might happen to me in the future. I think I like move through those two modes a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm actually not the best at being always present or grounded. I think songwriting helps me do that, but I'm not great at it all the time. Well, this is certain, certainly a remorseful and anxiety safe space on the negative side of those experiences so you're, you're in good company i i, I want to bring the the strangers back into the conversation yeah. a little bit because i'm curious whether like actual interaction or just like more emotional spiritual connection of one that like whole thematic bag you just discussed relative to the content of this song so you know this like temporal longing memory based wistful you know that the whole project is is speaking towards relative to this song specifically where you are like giving sound and vocabulary to something that for most if not all is inarticulable you know and and how we deal with loss and grief and and, and processing death and and you know hearing your discussion of of how you are living with the living memory of your like maternal lineage relative to also you know the 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 loss that shapes this project as a whole um specifically around this song i feel particularly it feels like such a gift um that you were able to access the, uh, uh, an element that most human beings can't and so <laughs> i'm wondering whether it's folks directly experiencing grief or you know, just kind of dealing with the human experience in general, this song or at large, do you feel an interaction or a reception to what you were able to gift us with? Yeah, not as much with the, this 
song in particular, because there are other moments throughout that throughout the album that um, kind of touch on loss of someone or something. I do think that folks feel a kind of connection to that articulation of those feelings. And there have been, I mean, there's, there's, I think, good and sometimes not so good sides to it is there are moments when people are able to share with me really like sweet and tender ways that they, they feel like the song, like a song or the album connected very specifically to something that they were going through. And that feels, I mean, that always feels very magical that anyone would feel a thing because of the way that I presented my feelings to them. That feels very special. Um, sometimes there is also a, a thing that happens maybe because I create a space in my music that feels really vulnerable and true that um, particularly it shows when people come to talk to me at the merch table, sometimes they bring a vulnerability to me that is it's too much. Um, that was that was my question a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And it or in my it happens a lot in my um DMs on Instagram where people share like to be honest like really kind of dark things like or or just really really heavy things about their life with me sometimes at a show sometimes with like 10 people standing behind them you know and I I understand I understand the intent the like intention in that moment and and I too have been in a moment where I see someone who I'm a fan of and I just want to tell them how much they mean to me. And I so I like I get that, but it it can feel it can feel like a lot. And it and it sometimes I don't I don't always know what to do in that moment because I don't know. I like appreciate their commitment to feeling, but I I think sometimes folks don't quite understand the the boundary of um like I'm also just a person trying to get through. A night, and then all of a sudden, I have I have to hold all of this um, from someone I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's there's limits to the shelter of it, you know, of what you can offer them. Yeah, this now this is might be an exciting opportunity because we may be able to like ask for what you need because there may be people <laughs> listening to this that are deeply impacted or fans or have that feeling of like if they get an opportunity or get access to you wanting to engage or exchange. And so you use the word boundary. Are there like boundaries, whether they are fluid or firm that we want to establish with people that <laughs> lovingly want to engage you or are there best practices of how you could receive or are there do's and don'ts around, around this? Is there ways that we can like not shut people off, but protect your space a little bit more effectively that if people heard this, they may, they may approach you in a way that you can receive better. We need merch line community agreements is what we need. Right. (laughs) That's basically what And this merch line, we believe. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the sad thing about it is is COVID has kind of helped with that, to be honest, because people are not really lingering as much and folks are a little bit more in and out and they're not coming so close to me anymore. Um, but I, I think because like generally that's the thing that feels best for me is I love meeting people and I love talking to people, but I think just having the mutual understanding that as much as I love it, I, I'm still on, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. still, um, it's labor. yeah, I'm still there to, I don't know. I don't like to use the word work because I don't like that kind of negative connotation for me as far as like what I feel like I'm doing because it doesn't really feel like work, but it does feel like like a service of some kind. And that 
Um, and just like recognizing each other's humanity of like, okay, if I have been on stage for an hour performing and then now I'm talking to maybe like 30 people for the next like 25 minutes, maybe like recognizing what I might be able to receive in that moment. Um, so like, yes, a hello. Yes, a great to meet you. Um, and like, maybe that's it. But like with the understanding that I am like full of gratitude and like so happy to be there and so happy that they are there, but like not always able to give it individually to every person in that moment. Yeah, people <laughs> need to people need to hear that reality. Um, I, I want to shift back to, to the production and music making a little bit because it, it feels like I think what we were discussing, Perfect Wife, it feel like you said for the project, the drums were done separately. Oh, yeah. And I'm just really curious with that of like, you know, the percussion and the rhythm I always think of as like the driving force and, and usually like the home base, but it feels like that was brought in. And so, yeah, I just want to talk about the rhythm of the project and the drumming and how that process was engineered into, into the work. Mm-hmm. I love talking about the drums because um, my girlfriend Ashley recorded all of the drums on the album and and plays in the band. And we were bandmates before we were a couple. I think it was a really sweet way to kind of come into like music making and like being in love is like having this relationship of of being in a band together and like this appreciation for the songs and the music and and playing for people. And so then when I was starting to write these songs, this was the first time that I like was writing songs and then I would bring them to her and have her write the drum parts for them. So it was we were working on it together along the way. And I've never done that before with with like another collaborator as far as like I I'm not going to write the parts, you're going to write them, but we're going to like work on them together. And that was really exciting and it was great to have just so much trust because we were both going into it with just like ultimate love you know and so then recording we recorded those in this in a studio at audio tree studios um and not much of the other parts of the songs were done we we kind of tracked the drums to try to fit in other things around them um and so honestly like ashley went in with like really sparse arrangements for some of them it was just guitar and vocal and like had to write and record parts with the imagining that they would be filled in with lots and lots of other things in the future and I think that was a challenge but I I think she did a wonderful job there are certain songs in particular of like I remember exactly like playing the voice memo for her for example and then like hearing her like practice in the next room or something um her parts it was great it was a it was a fun experience I have to be honest. <laughs> I kind of figured that out, but I'm sure <laughs> I didn't want to like. I wanted to see how you wanted to discuss that. I didn't want to like <laughs> jump into that without hearing where you were. So, yes, that's really beautiful and exciting to hear that process, and it kind of reinforms how we think of some of the songs and the love field, like perfect wife element. Um, you know, we're lovers over here. This is like a yeah. a love safe space. And- <laughs> And we try to be careful of like how to talk about it with people because it's, you know, it's sensitive and it's, you know, it's vulnerable. Um, But it does spill over, I think, obviously in the content, but even just in, you know, being in community and knowing you, like, I remember you introducing Ashley to a bunch of people as your partner. And there was just like a a joy and excitement and a a, a bubble to just even like saying her name or introducing her to people. Um, And so, yeah, I, I... 
what I now I'm blushing now because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm putting you on the spot. Um, that feels like partnership on a, on another level, right? Like there's the, the obvious connection that y'all have and the way that y'all share space, but to be bringing your work as they are in process and inviting that collaboration. And specifically, you know, if the song is about love or a perfect, you know, that that's just such a beautiful offering. We hear how it built the music. Ooh, is that is that your baby? Is that a puppy? That was, yeah. <laughs> good enough. I think it's going to get better. <laughs> okay. that, I got excited about that. Yeah. I love girlfriends and puppies. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, we have a spinoff podcast at the three of us, though. Uh, girlfriends right? and puppies. <laughs> I listen to that. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> I go to the live show. <laughs> Gets in the merch a lot. <laughs> um, and so we, we hear how obviously love informed the process of music making. How did the music making shape or reshape or grow the partnership or the connection or the bond because yeah the the, the front vocalist lead guitar to the drummer thing that's just so damn cute i can't <laughs> i can't resist so yeah <laughs> yeah that's a great that's a great question and i hmm, it's a challenging experience in many ways um because I moved through music with so much ownership for a long time of like i'm the one i'm the one writing and these are my songs and this is my project. And obviously I hadn't been in partnership with anyone before who was like a part of my music world in any way. And so I had to do a little bit of work, honestly, and like relinquishing that ownership a little bit. Um, you know, there were moments when we were, Ashley and I were working on things very collaboratively and she was, you know, putting in so much work and so much effort. And I would still feel a resistance to like, to like letting this piece of my work go. But I think that's been a really good learning experience for me. And then there's also, I mean, we went on tour together last year for two weeks and, and that was, it's a whole other learning experience, but there, I think we, we work through like kind of this constant shifting of at what moments does it feel great to like talk about music and talk about the work and like be in that zone? And at what moments are we not talking about that at all? Because it can be really easy for a while when we were practicing and practicing for the release shows and um, right around when the album came out, it was so easy to just talk about the album and talk about the band and music stuff kind of nonstop. Ashley would work all day and then we would go to band practice and then in a car ride, I would just want to talk about how band practice went and she'd have to be like, no more. But it it feels easy because she's there all the time. So like, why not just talk about music all the time? And it's good for me too, because I don't have a schedule really. I don't have a place I go to work. And so shout out to that. (laughs) Yeah. It's literally like, oh yeah, it might be 11 PM and I'm about to fall asleep, but I have to, I'm like, can't, I can't help but think about something about band practice for like the next two weeks. Like I have, it's good practice for me too, to like let, let things go and recognize when it doesn't have to be in our like comfort space. And then when when we can like be in the zone. Yeah. No, that's, I think that is a challenge, even if it's not a partner that isn't deeply involved in that way, but the like, um, where is the line of like creative control and where does that become ownership and where do you want to relinquish that? It's definitely something that there are plenty of terrible examples at and fewer better examples at. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like fruitful music that can come in that. And it just, it, I don't have anything particularly astute to say other than that sounds challenging to figure out, especially when you have 
you know, a way you've done things. The music is so intimate and so you, um, and it's your name on the thing. I mean, that's, that's, that's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> I will say there was some cute moments on tour when we, at the merch table, when people would come up and say like, great to meet you. And Ashley would be standing next to me, like helping me hand people shirts. And then someone would like, turn to Ashley and be like, it's great to meet you too. Cause they like, yeah. And she, she signed a couple of pieces of merch uh, on oh, tour. Awesome. So it was, it was sweet to like, kind of see her like kind of get to step into this light a little bit. Meet some strangers. Yeah. <laughs> In a way she hadn't done before with other, other bands. I felt that part was cute. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you a related short story that makes it about me? Absolutely. (laughs) It it actually took place not at this last show that I saw you at, but the one, I guess it was around the Alone at Last release. Oh, yeah. But it was also at Sleeping Village. Mm -hmm. And I was there with my partner, Rosie. And there was this like couple just kind of like looking at us a lot. (laughs) And they're like, what's going on here? And that's a funny yeah. start. To that's the story. A, that's the it was a funny start to an experience. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't. Yeah, there was no aggression. But anyway, they came up, and you know, occasionally they and I will get someone who like listens to the show, and they put it two and two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that happened, and they're like, we, you know, no, ergo, and I was like, oh, that's great. This is Rosie, and they're like, oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the person was like. I love that scarf you have. I have the same one. And Rosie was like, oh, this one? She goes, no, the one that you wore like last week. (laughs) And this was a deeply odd moment. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like altogether unpleasant. It was just like an odd moment. And it made me have a deep appreciation of like, there was a long time where I wanted to be famous. I really don't yeah. want that. Like, it's just your everyday. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I assume they're probably still listening. So shout out to them right now. For, if you're in the other side. Yeah. yeah. They're obviously a fan of Ergo and Tasha. So they're, they're going to check this out. So, so no no shade. No shade. I hope the scarf is keeping you warm. But it was just, just a very, very funny detailed. moment that we have never forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do think they're really listening, so I'm gonna stop with any joke that I have. Oh, you're you're gonna make gonna a slight be, dig? Not a dig, not a dig. Make the joke. This is just I don't know. That just it just sounds like a crush. I think we were we were all that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. That sounds like sounds like a weekend. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to y'all. <laughs> 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 All right, let's let's fast forward <laughs> to uh to I'm a year from now. now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm bright. You said that no, you were blushing before. Yeah, no, you jumped into this. <laughs> you offered the story. <laughs> That's fine. Thanks a lot, Tasha. Thanks for performing live. <laughs> Thanks for creating intimate space where people feel they can be vulnerable. <laughs> people people often talk about scarves at Tasha's show. <laughs> And right, I know I, I know I said it before. I cannot overemphasize how much I was like, I don't want to be in a crowd because there might be an asshole there. And then I was like, I'll go to a Tasha show because if they're choosing to be there, I feel like I have a small level of trust. Do you think I'm like wrong for that? Like, do you still get like stragglers? No, I think that's true. I talk about that a lot because we did two weekends for this past release. And and for my whole, I don't know, always, I feel like the crowds at my shows are somehow 
really, really nice. They're like really sweet. They're really considerate. I haven't attracted like any sort of like bro fan base whatsoever. And there are some, there are some like women indie artists who have for whatever reason. And honestly, I haven't at all. And I feel so at peace about that. (laughs) It really, (laughs) it really makes me happy. (laughs) You have like, you have like a bro invisibility cloak. (laughs) Something, something that I'm doing, they do not like, and I am fine with that. This reminds me of a, of a of a of a pop culture reference. I don't know. Did you ever see the uh, Black Lady Sketch Show? Mm-mm. Okay, the funniest sketch on there. The funniest premise to me was it was like now it's too detailed, but it it was like this like spy thriller type of vibe movie. Like it was like a they would do clips of it, mm-hmm. and the, the whole premise was it was just a black woman was a spy. And because people ignore and invisibilize black women, she was just able to do all the spy shit in front of people. She didn't have to hide it at all. Yeah, she was just like walk in front of the security guard, walk past the entrance. Yeah, that's funny. And so it feels like you get to like just wear a like a bro invisibility cloak. Yeah, and they'll just miss me. Yeah. Well, that's the bar next door. That's the whole premise in Spooky Sat by the Door is you can just like walk into the office and like steal the secrets while the guy's on the phone. Yeah. 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 All right. All right, let's uh let's go to the last track we're going to listen to together, which is Year From Now. such a pure song like it's, it's, just, it's like, a it's, it's a beautiful right and and poignant meditation mm. is what it, what it, what yeah. it feels mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um so you're talking to yourself first of all in a very um direct way with the the last line naming you mm-hmm. by name using your government <laughs> 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 and so um 
I want to, you know, one of the themes, one of the things you said earlier was you have a different and deeper comfort listening to this music than your previous work. So before us trying to impress you with how smart of listeners we are, I want to go back to you hearing this again, or each and every time you hear it, this like offering you give yourself before the strangers. Uh, what are you feeling right now? Listen to this again. Mm. I love this song. This was maybe the second to last song I wrote of every of all the songs. I remember being in this moment of like wanting to like come out kind of from under this fog um, to like kind of like release myself from this weight. I felt like I'd been sitting under of like sadness and doubt and kind of like not not feeling connected to myself or trusting myself. And and this was my like let it go, Tasha song. I think that I have always been good at writing like sweetness into things. And this album, while it has its sweet moments, I was also, I think, um, experimenting and kind of grappling with like writing about feelings that were not sweet and writing about like sad shit more. And some good old fashioned um, melancholy. Yeah. Yeah. And some, some of the things that didn't feel as good to me to feel or to talk about. This was kind of my return to my like, dip back into just like positivity. Yeah. Like an offering of like all of the good things that I know I am and that I know I have to give. It felt really good to write. And I, I always kind of wanted to say my own name in a song. So it felt really good to do that and listening to it, listening to it now. Um, yeah, I, I, it brings me a lot of like warm feelings. How far are we approximately from when you wrote it? Has it been a year is basically my question. Wow, that's a good question. It has. <laughs> uh, we're about like a, maybe like a month, I would say, out from a year. Booked you too early. But I think it's it's close enough. Um, what do you feel like you've let go from a year ago? Yeah. I'd, I think I wasn't feeling as much confidence a year ago or two years ago I think I was feeling a lot of uncertainty around like maybe my place in the world or or just my place like in myself just my 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 personhood um I was grappling with a lot of uncertainty and now now I feel I think that that time has helped with that and I do feel a lot more connection than I was feeling at that time I think being like separated from music for so long, like live music and like separated from the world didn't help with that. So I think it's been like an extra challenging process of like reestablishing like my my connection to myself and my um, kind of like my confidence of how I move through the world. But I'm working on it. Yeah. And, and, and similarly, what do you hope a year from now? Mm you know, will be remembered and will be forgotten about who you are and how you are these days? Mm. I'm hoping for even more expansiveness, I think. Kind of like what I was talking about at the beginning, about feeling like I'm not totally in a place of like receiving things. I'm feeling a little bit closed off. I want to feel a little less closed off and more in a place of, of feeling like I'm really like growing and reaching into the world and like receiving things back at the same time. So this is the the song in first listening, like and preparing for today that had the the most immediate grab on me. And it is because it, it feels like a truth. 
So I'm, I'm before I prophesize, I'm gonna go back to. Do you have a moment of when you recognize that wisdom? Because because it resonates for me of when I am at my lowest. That's one of the things in adulthood that I have found that as a younger person or a person trying to pretend to be an adult wasn't easy to access. Like when it was hard, the imagined time of it not feeling this way felt less accessible, felt so much more distant. And so even now in times of struggle, even when it like is bubbling to the highest point, I can have kind of just like the learned wisdom of, I know there will be a different time. It might, the, the unit might not necessarily be a year. It could be a week. It could be, you know, kind of the, the intro question of time is however you conceive of it. Um, so yeah, the question from a place of like gratitude and appreciation and just agreement is when did that wisdom set in for you? That's a good question. This is, is a little bit real, but I think the oddest answer is when I was like really understanding what depression and anxiety looked like in my life. I had no choice but to hold on to and understand the wisdom that not every moment was going to feel like this moment when I was just not feeling good. You know, before I wrote this song and before I wrote a lot of these songs, I think it was when that was starting to, um, when I was starting to learn that of like, okay, I can like hold on to and like understand the low part of this feeling. And I can trust that I will feel differently in some amount of time. And I don't know when it will be, but I know I will. And of course, life growing older, there are endless opportunities to give me a reminder of of that. <laughs> and in the last year, you know, so many new fresh moments of kind of being hit in the face of like, oh, okay, I have to relearn this wisdom of it will be, it will feel better in a little bit of time. It feels fresh with fresh uh, hurt, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's so hard to believe it each time too. Yeah. Like, you got to, I agree, you got to kind of like take it uh, and accept it, even if it doesn't feel true. Mm-hmm. Um, and has been, at least for me, like a resonant, like the only helpful thing in those moments, those low moments, like there's nothing that can make it feel better than, but the recognition that it won't always feel like that. Yeah, that, that work that has worked for me. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> and that helps too sometimes sometimes a really deep exhale a long long sigh um yeah i think let me let me just go back and see if there's anything else i wanted to ask you about um as you're looking through yeah i'm, I'm thinking particularly about like the merch liners <laughs> right not the strangers in general these are the like the used to be strangers that then like shake your hand and probably say their name uh that have an extra level of probably commitment or impact to the work. Is there anything about the project that you would like to communicate with them or, or here, if, if the merch line was able to sit down and you weren't tired and like yeah. talk a little bit more, <laughs> um, is there anything that we did not discuss that you would love for, for folks to hear or know about what this piece means to you? Mm. Honestly, the thing that I most return to is talking about Eric and because, like you said, like co-parenting, it feels unfair to have this project and to talk about it and to share it without without him here to share it with me. So I think when when I'm talking to people about it or 
I don't know, when I think of people listening to it, I want I want people to think of him and to listen to his other music. And I want him to continue to exist and be in people's hearts and in people's minds as often as possible, as I'm sure we all can understand when thinking of someone we've lost, but just like finding those ways to to like keep them in the world and in as many people's worlds as we possibly can. So I'm grateful that this album gets to do that. And I offer the reminder of him and his work and his spirit in it as much as as much as mine is in it. I think you're absolutely right that that's the wish when you lose someone. Mm-hmm. It's that they live in other people's worlds as much as they can still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing him with us. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think we can yeah. leave it there. Yeah. Thanks for listening with us. Thanks for hanging out. This has been beautiful. Um, one question. We've used the joke of the merch line now. Is there a digital or virtual merch line? Is there a place uh, where people can go support the merchandise? Not at this. I just sold the last of all of my shirts. We sold it out. Like all right. a week ago. So that's, which is great. Congratulations have, to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I mean, I have physical records for sale on my band camp and tapes and CDs and stuff. So folks can buy those if they want. Where else can folks find you in the ways you want to be found? Well, same as always for like the past six years at Wow Tasha Wow. (laughs) 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 Hasn't changed. Can't let go of it now. I'm beholden to that (laughs) to that app for the rest of my life, probably. (laughs) You know what a related side note that I learned from another interview about that of like artist name that they're stuck with? Mm -hmm. So Tyler the creator was just because he had three MySpaces. He had his like Tyler the personal Tyler the like friend and then Tyler his like where he posted his music and that was where people like wow. started to get to know him and so that's why he now has to walk around for the rest of his life called that as the creator. <laughs> he's not as he's not as pompous as we think no it was just like the it's third just Tyler <laughs> similarly Tyler. John Legend did not choose the name John Legend that was just what a Kanye mixtape listed him as and his name is John Stevens and wishes he could be called John Stevens <laughs> <laughs> so you know it could be worse you could, could be, be worse. You could be Tasha yeah. the legend yeah. <laughs> so yeah so everybody go go run it up I want to say just like a little something I'm proud of while we've been playing the songs here I also was double streaming on my title to like do the lyric oh. thing and I encourage other people to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we'll take those extra pennies. Yeah. And, you know, so if you're listening here, Accumulate my- get your. I guess we have to say this at the beginning. Maybe we'll say it at the end. Of the <laughs> like, get a little companion stream and like run this up. There we go. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to to. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to all this. Shout out to to Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to to Grandma and Mom. <laughs> Shout out to that couple trying to get with Rosie and Daniel. <laughs> we, we see y'all get, get loose and, and foot loose and fancy free. Um, yeah, yeah. Now this has been been a gift, and thank you for not only your time but for this project and continuing to put loving work out in the world. It really does mean a lot. And like like you said in in your shows, right? Like your work is a convening of a certain type of humanity, mm. um, and so we we need those conventions. Mm. Well, thank you. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you both. I love talking to you about music and stuff, life. So thank you for having me again. Of course. No, we have this like nice little benchmark. Like I was saying to Damon before, like annually, like I I do my taxes, I go to the doctor and I interview Tom. It's really, really like a nice regular thing. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, and and hopefully we can uh, maybe drink some wine together soon. Yes, I would love That's that. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, they put, well, Daniel and Rosie put me on. I hear Tasha's in the game. Mm. The natural mm-hmm. wine game is where it's at. It's it's, yep. it's a whole new move. Go find it at your little <laughs> swanky hipster bougie spot near you. You know, it's not that eight to sixteen dollar holler. We're talking the eighteen to thirty five dollar range. Usually, you can go up from there. But you know, get yourself a good little twenty four dollar <laughs> bottle of some natural wine and, and see what that does for you, people. And don't have a headache tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We'll probably do a a whole break natural wine breakdown episode at some point, and you will be invited on. (laughs) 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 All right, thank you again so much. Um, As always, we're at Ergo Radio. I'm at Ergo Kiss. My Dama underscore AF. And we'll be back on the line reshaping the culture of Chicago and beyond for the more liberatory and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Sky